You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Uh, my thanks to Tom and Rishi for all their excellent work yesterday. It's good for me to be uh, back in the UK for a few days in the build-up to the Cheltenham Festival. But uh, this morning, in association with our, our friends at Weatherby's, I want to suspend thoughts of Cheltenham for a few moments and with them go around the bloodstock world, but uh, today head to Ukraine, um, a country that, normally speaking, Weatherby's work very closely with through their role as joint chair of the International Stud Book uh, committee and clearly the the whole thoroughbred world is incredibly concerned at present as to as to how their industry is faring in a country that the entire global community is thinking so much of at present. Um, I'm pleased to be able to be joined this morning by Alexander Malinovsky, who works for the Jockey Club of Ukraine and is registrar of the Ukraine uh, Stud Book. And Alexander, like so many of your compatriots, you've had to. Um, adapt and move and and to try and, and stay safe and keep your family safe over the last few weeks just just tell me how you all are this morning uh, uh, where you are and and how your your days uh, are progressing at the moment uh, hello uh, today uh, the day is uh, calm and safe because today is international uh, women's day and the russian told that they will not weapon uh, Ukraine because uh, today is a holiday. So we wake up, we start reading the news, and uh, um, we hear that uh, nothing, nothing happened. And it is, uh, it is very good news. But we really don't know what what we are waiting tomorrow. You simply don't know which course each day is going to take. Tell me what you and your family have done in the last two or three weeks. Um, we moved uh, to the western part of the country, and um, my wife and me are helping. Uh, well, my wife has a fund, a uh, foundation, and uh, they help uh, people that cannot uh, receive, uh, go to, to the pharmacy. Uh, we cannot go uh, to the shops uh, to have some feeding, and um, we help uh, these people. Uh, to receive uh, medicine from the western part, uh, to receive uh, the feeding from the western western part of Ukraine. And um, uh, uh, two days ago, uh, my wife uh, helped uh, helped uh, helped um, one child with, that was weaponed uh, in uh, in a small city uh, around Kiev. Uh, she helped to, with the help of. Uh, uh, Ukrainian army uh, to, to move it to Kiev to the hospital, and uh, nobody could uh, do this. But uh, now, uh, but now the, the child is safe in the case. So we are trying to to help people uh, uh, that are in uh, in that condition. So you and your wife are, are, are trying to help others. You yourself have had to move away from Kiev, is that right? You were you were based in a in a small village just to the outskirts of, of Kiev and, and we're going into Kiev to, to look after the horses? 
I have a small child and uh, uh, he, he started to ask what is war. And uh, it is awful because, uh, you know, uh, I don't want him to know this. But, but no, I think that uh, no, nobody in, in the world don't want uh, their child to know what is war. So that's why we decided to, to move to uh, to more safe uh, place uh, without uh, alarms uh, that uh, uh, the the jets uh, can fly uh, or something or rockets uh, uh, can fly around uh, around these places. So we are uh, we are living in a small village and trying to to be in connect with all the people, be uh, with all the people that. Uh, uh, do their work um, in uh, in the stud uh, in uh, in the stud. I, I'm on connection uh, with all almost all the studs of Ukraine uh, that that uh, that breed thoroughbreds and not only thoroughbreds because in in Ukraine there are five breeds. Uh, we have five breeds in Ukraine, and uh, there are some studs that I don't have connection. And, uh, the Russians. I know that the Russians didn't destroy them because it is one of the best parts uh, in Ukraine. Uh, but we don't have any connection because uh, they destroyed uh, the uh, the connection uh, system. So no uh, no cells, uh, no Wi-Fi. People, we we don't know what is with them exactly. So you're just trying your best to keep in touch with as many of the studs as you can, but you can't guarantee the safety of the people or the horses because the Russians have, have destroyed the, the internal communication system. That's right? Uh, yes. No, it is only one stud. Only one stud, and uh, I hope that it is safe. The, 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 the Ukraine um, stud book was, you know, up to this point, doing, doing pretty well, Alexander. Just, just tell, me, tell me where you were before war started as, as a as a racing and, and breeding nation? Uh, uh, we have a, our own stud book, uh, and uh, it was uh, approved in 2012. Uh, before that, we used to, to, um, to enter our horses to Russian stud book. Uh, but in 2008, when, our, when the new president of Turkey Club was uh, elected, uh, we started to, to make... Uh, to make uh, our own stud book, and uh, Doctor De Waltz from uh, he was a co-chairman uh, of uh, the European and Mediterranean uh, uh, stud book committee. He helped us. He came to Ukraine several times. Um, we um, we saw with him all the horse, all the thoroughbreds, and uh, then we were then the, we. We, we we will make a, a, good, a big job because uh, uh, a lot of horses um, were not entered uh, to the Russian stud book, and we should uh, enter them to Russian stud book, then to transfer them to Ukrainian stud book. It took a lot of time, and from 2008 uh, to till 2012, almost four years, and we have now our own stud book. Uh, in the stud book, we have approximately. 200 mares, and but uh, this year approximately 60 mares were imported from uh, Poland and uh, uh, European countries. So now uh, it is approximately 260 mares, uh, thoroughbred mares uh, that can be registered in the stud book. We have approximately 
Fortunistanians, uh, because we have another system, uh, not not as um, uh, in the uh, UK or somewhere in Europe. Uh, our staff has their own uh, stallions. Uh, maybe it's not not so good working, but uh, not all people can send their mares uh, somewhere to Ireland or to England uh, for covering. So they are trying to to find some good uh, horses with good pedigrees, with some racing career, and they are dying these horses and uh, use it as stallions or as mares. So uh, we have one race course. Uh, it, it is situated in Odessa, uh, and uh, we have um, approximately 40, 40 50 meetings mm. uh, per year. So uh, not big amount, but uh, we have a lot of people that uh, are fond of uh, thoroughbred horses, and uh, uh, they are trying uh, to to manage to manage this and to send their horses uh, to to the race course uh, because um, they love it and and so how are these horses at the moment how are the, how are the horses that are racing at Odessa what what, what are you all doing uh, the horses in Odessa now we don't have horses in Odessa because um, uh, the horses are training uh, in the starts uh, so we have a season that starts from May and ends uh, in October it is five months uh, racing season in Ukraine. And um, uh, before the season uh, starts, um, the horses uh, are training in the studs. So now all the horses are in the studs. Okay, so they're all in the studs. And you're, you're trying to ascertain their, their safety on a, on a day-by-day basis. How, how are, the, are the horses able to be exercised, Alexander? Um, they are trained. Uh, so each, uh, each stud... Uh, has a place where to train the horses. Uh, as I know, uh, I don't have connection only with one stud uh, in Ukraine, but uh, the other studs, maybe some of them are think, thinking uh, that they are already occupied, but I have connection with them, and they are uh, feeding the horses, they are training the horses. Um, they do all what can they do. So uh, uh, no people... Uh, all the people makes everything uh, the horses uh, safe and uh, so Alexander I I know and for very understandable reasons and we'll come to in a minute the line's not great but I, I got the gist of that you're saying that a lot of the studs are, are already under occupation and the key point is that, that the horses are still being fed and looked after um, and really all you can do is, is to, to take it each day as it comes uh, we very hope that uh, someday we wake up and the war finished and we will uh, and we, we can work again so we can uh, do our works, uh, do our uh, jobs uh, we can uh, go back to Kiev uh, uh, we can uh, I, I don't know what 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 can it be because if uh, some of the studs are occupied, I don't know uh, how to manage with this. And I think that uh, uh, our colleagues from International Studbook Committee uh, will explain us and will decide what to do with the, with the studs that are occupied because we don't know exactly how to do it. Well, um, I'm, I'm hoping that anybody in the international racing community that's listening to this today 
reaches out to help you as much as they as much as they possibly can whatever happens in the in the next few weeks uh, and i know i'm we're very grateful to for you to to talk to us today alexander not only just to explain the situation from your point of view but i know how difficult communications are um out of out of kiev in the surrounding area at the moment so yeah, there's only a certain window that you and i have to be able to speak today that's that's right isn't it you can only you can only talk to me in the in the mornings mm-hmm. yes uh because uh we can talk in the mornings and you all, all through the day but in the evening we have uh, commendation uh, hours and uh we cannot go out uh, the street we cannot uh, we should sit in this in this in the homes uh, in the rooms uh, without uh, electricity and uh, it's quite complicated uh, to have a, um, a talk uh, in the evening and, and and I know you you and your your wife and your your son are living in in one room, aren't you? So you're having to live yes. in you're living living in one room, and you you can't sort of have any light or electricity in that room. Yes, yes. You know, uh, I just wanted to tell that uh, uh, I understand everything uh, that uh, some politics uh, want to to do. Uh, uh, they are best for their countries, but they should not kill people. It is uh, it is the only thing. And uh, we all all the people in the in Ukraine, all the women of in Ukraine today. We have an international women's day, and uh, all the women of Ukraine don't want uh, uh, this uh, to be a holiday uh, for them. They want uh, that it will be a uh, day when the war stops. Alexander, thank you for talking to me. Alexander Malinovsky there, who works for the Jockey Club of Ukraine and is the registrar of the Ukraine stud book and everything Alexander can do at the moment just to keep tabs on um, his colleagues in, in Ukraine and a um, very moving description of, of how his wife is, is trying to help and uh, moving their, their child out of, out of Kiev. Dave Yates is a racing correspondent, newsboy from the, the Daily Mirror. Uh, David, so difficult to listen to, and um, I'm very grateful for Alexander coming on and, and telling telling his story this morning. But one is that is reflected by by so many million people at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a it's a harrowing testimony, and uh, the 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 whole the the whole of the last what 13 days, two weeks has, has been uh, so distressing. Uh, it's really hard to watch. I, I personally, from a personal point of view, I, I find it really difficult to to digest what's been going on over the last couple of weeks uh, in Ukraine. I, I realise it's very important that one should do that so that one is aware of uh, of what's going on. Um, as as is evident from that interview, there are so many different industries that are affected by this, so many millions of lives that are affected by uh, what's been going on. It, it's, it's really difficult for me to add anything to that except just to reflect on uh, what, a, what, a, what an appalling situation uh, we're facing now. And, and to, to be just hoped and prayed that if and when this, this war is over, that um, some of these industries that have been so badly affected and some of these lives that have been uh, so badly affected can be in some way put back together with the help of the the international community and I hope you'll uh, appreciate why 
we chose today to to lead with with Alexander and and, and pause for a moment from from our coverage of of what's coming up and and the Cheltenham Festival round the corner. But it is round the corner, Dave, and it, it's only a few days away now. And if we were wanting a, a, a reminder of exactly who we were expecting to be the dominant forces, it certainly came yesterday in the shape of a, a sort of multi-horse workout from, from Gordon Elliott's stable. That's right, yeah. We're used to seeing uh, those big workouts at Leopardstown, aren't we, after racing? It, it, uh, it used to be after racing on the Sunday and then yesterday, of course, uh, Leopardstown raced on the Monday. We had 38 of Gordon Elliott's horses. Uh, they worked in three lots and uh, they would... Uh, the, they included the, the names that you would expect. Um, Gordon Elliott was uh, particularly buoyant after watching Tiger Roll, which is, of course, interesting. We're told by the O'Learys uh, that this will be Tiger Roll's final race course appearance. And last year, he sprang back to life uh, having underperformed, I think, during the season uh, that uh, preceded... Uh, his re- his appearance at Cheltenham, and it seems as though um, hopes are pretty high that he'll be able to do the same. I think during the stable tours, Gordon Elliott was um, was quite upbeat about Tiger Roll's progress, the uh, his ability to race on what will probably be better the ground at the festival, um, and he was particularly happy with him yesterday. Ditto Galvin, a horse I think who's really gaining uh, momentum in the in the Gold Cup. Uh, picture at the moment and also conflated now with conflated they haven't made the decision yet as to where the Irish Gold Cup uh, winner will go Uh, Eddie O'Leary said last week that it'll be down really to the ground and weather Uh, they'll discuss it at the end of this week and then if it's apparent that uh, we're going to have a dry and settled week next week during the four days the horse will probably go for the Gold Cup because uh, conditions would be less uh, testing of stamina. And if the ground, which we we know for near certain, will start on a mixture between good, soft and soft, if there's an unsettled week, then they would probably look at the Ryanair chase. It's all down really to uh, how conditions would test conflated stamina because as Eddie O'Leary has said before, we consider that the uh, whilst the uh, we consider that the, the Ryanair is too sharp for the horse, and the, the Gold Cup trip is probably uh, too long. So that was the story from Leopardstown yesterday. Gordon Elliott, of course, missed uh, the Cheltenham Festival twelve months ago, and uh, his rehabilitation is pretty much complete. I'd say now, in in uh, in the wake of of the the 12-month ban that he got for the dead horse picture, six months, of course, uh, suspended. And that really will be complete if he, if he um, saddles the winner of the Cheltenham Gold Cup. Mm. And it's worth bearing in mind that when I interviewed Jack Kennedy uh, at the Dublin Racing Festival and asked him to compare Galvin and Conflated, he, he made the point he thought Conflated was the more talented of the two horses, if not the more straightforward, something that is clearly playing on the mind of, of Gordon Elliott and maybe the O'Leary's as well. And you can stay ahead of the field for the festival and beyond with a subscription to the Racing Post Members Club. You can rely on the Post's team of award-winning journalists to keep you informed throughout the biggest racing event of the year. You'll also unlock unlimited access to the Racing Post digital newspaper worth over £100 a month and a host of other exciting features. Sign up today and pay just £9.99 for your first month. And if you head to racingpost.com forward slash Nick Luck Daily for the full terms, 
you can find out more. Your first month of Racing Post Members Club is only £9.99. Important day this morning, probably as we're speaking, Dave, for, for Hillcrest and, and Henry Daly, leading British novice hurdler that may be bound for the Albert Bartlett novice hurdle. Yeah, Hillcrest is having a schooling session this morning. Remember, over the last few days, uh, including on Luck on Sunday, Henry Daly said that you know they, they haven't committed Hillcrest to uh, the Albert Bartlett as yet. Um, he said that basically... Laura Collett and Yogi Breisner had been working on this horse's jumping. His, his difficulty, uh, the trainer says, is his huge stride, which, of course, normally you'd think would be uh, an asset to a horse when it comes to uh, jumping an obstacle. But essentially the sort of gangly teenager that Hillcrest is, he has problems organising himself at hurdles, which are obstacles that are far too small uh, for a horse of his uh, impressive stature. So uh, the the Collett and uh, Breisner axis brought him to improve his jumping. He's Henry Daly isn't sure uh, that that has actually worked as yet, so they will school Hillcrest this morning. I think uh, he'll also work tomorrow, but I got the impression from uh, talking to the trainer on Sunday that today was going to be pretty pivotal. If they were impressed with his schooling and felt that the, the polish that they'd sought to apply in the jumping department, if that had, uh, if that had borne fruit, then they would go to Cheltenham. Otherwise, they might wait to, for entry. But anyone who uh, has seen the horse will know, of course, that they're looking forward to his future over fences next season. Yeah, I suspect he could kick every hurdle out of the way and still win, but that's me. I can quite understand why they're being cautious. Uh, the news that was broken on the podcast yesterday by Tom and Rishi about the uh, weights rise and the, the solution that the BHA have put forward to the disgruntlement over the combined A, removal of saunas, and B, restoration of the original weights cushion um, hasn't left me a whole lot clearer. Uh, and the, the picture is, is further co complicated slightly, uh, Dave, by a parallel situation that's unfolding in Ireland. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, this has unfolded, uh, unfolded in Ireland. Um, I agree with you, really. I mean, the, the initial uh, change, remember... For those who don't know, um, it was announced at the end of January that the £3 COVID allowance uh, would be scrapped and that uh, the weights would be going up by £2. It wasn't quite as simple as just a, uh, a £1 rise, uh, sorry, knocking the weights down by £1. It, a, a jockey said to me at the time, if you're 53 now, we're extending your... Um, life expectancy from 75 to 80 but you are now 58 not 53 and I thought that was actually quite a good way of summing it up but I, but I concede that it may not um, make it much clearer anyway what's as was broken on the NLD yesterday uh, there is now uh, the four pounds safety allowance that um, you used to get of course three pounds for a back protector well that's now a safety allowance that has gone up uh, one pound to four pounds so um the it, it, it i thought it was interesting just to get the uh, the reaction of the of the well the, the two main parties the the national training 
Tennis Federation and the uh, Professional Jockeys Association. David Bass of the PGA, president of the PGA, said, naturally, I would have preferred to keep the full allowance as I have seen such a positive impact on jockeys' well-being. However, after further discussion, I'm pleased that we have kept part of the allowance along with the rise in the weights. I trust that the new structure provides everyone with the same opportunities whilst maintaining recent progression on jockey welfare. Um, the NTF weren't quite so upbeat. Uh, their statement concluded, while we are of the view that some reflection is needed on the issues that caused the consultation process to fail here in the first instance, despite seemingly being fully adhered to, we are accepting of the outcome that has ultimately been reached. So um, you can see there that the, the PJA generally upbeat the NTF less. So as you say, the situation... Uh, it was, I think, announced last month that uh, the Irish were going to do the same with regards uh, to putting the weights up. Um, Sean Flanagan, interestingly, left the Irish Jockeys Association in uh, protest that uh, that saunas, as in Britain, were going to become a thing of the past in Ireland. I must admit, I find that a very very strange thing. If you're a if you're a, a responsible adult and you can't use the sauna uh, just to take off a, a fraction of a pound here and there, and you can't be you can't be trusted to to use the sauna responsibly. I I, I think that I, I think we're in a sad situation, and I and I fear that that jockeys will be doing all sorts of things like driving to the race courses wearing multiple bin liners and stuff like that with the heating on i i, I think that uh, personally that doing away with the saunas is more of a pr exercise than uh, than anything else mm. I, i'm i'm sort of inclined to agree i mean after all you can go to a sauna at virtually every gym in the in the in the western world uh, and people you, do all the time i mean it's, you, it's not a, to, it's not as though yeah. these are these are um yeah there's something from the dark ages you you pay people pay thousands of pounds a year to join to have membership of the gym one of whose benefits is a sauna plus of course you know you can uh, if you were a jockey you could just find out where the nearest uh sauna place is to a race course and go there so i mean it, i i I personally can't see any benefit in that. I've spoken to loads of jockeys who use the sauna responsibly and they think that it's, you know, that they're now going to have to run around the track for a couple of laps rather than just sit in the sauna for, for 20 minutes. It doesn't make any, uh, it doesn't make any sense to me, I have to say. But you've got to remember that the narrative uh, coming from the jockey's room, the whole of last summer was, oh, everyone's in a better mood because they're not having to use the sauna. But the reason they weren't having to use the sauna was because there was a greater inbuilt weight allowance. So, yeah, give with one hand, take away with the other. Anyway, the BHA and Richard Wayman yesterday, they are endeavouring to try and make the situation uh, better and grateful for them for coming on the show yesterday to talk about it a little bit. Uh, Mansion Bet is no longer betting on horse racing, though as one wag put it to me, uh, Dave, or why should I say one seasoned observer of the betting industry put it to me, um, more studio apartment bet than mansion bet in in the bets that they were willing to lay, but maybe that was uh, maybe that was rather cruel. And other bookmakers have come out and said actually mansion bet um, put quite a lot into British racing, particularly through their their sponsorships. In terms of sponsorship of races, they uh, they uh, advertise quite a lot. Their, their motives in doing that with with lots of bookmakers, one feels that um, 
sponsorship has been there merely to usher people through the doors of the online casino. That, of course, um, there have been news developments over the last few weeks of that, haven't there? The, the Jockey Club received criticism uh, for, uh, for, carry, for, for carrying uh, casino adverts. And in response to that, uh, it was announced by Arena that, they, that their race courses would not carry um, advertisements that that uh, that involved advertisements of online casinos. So, yeah, I must admit, I, I didn't have an account with Mansion Bear. I suspect that um, that the horse racing part of their operation, well, has, has been confirmed. I, I think was was a relatively minor one, but as you say, uh, it's it's never good news. Yeah, sportsbook gone, casino brand stays, and um, that's what people will will, will focus on. Uh, just one final thing, Dave, and that's a tip for today. Right, well, we go to the 8 o'clock at Wolverhampton. It's Voltaic, a horse who took quite a long time uh, to get off the mark on the all-weather, at least, but has now won two of his last three in that sphere. Um, they've been staying on over the extended mile at Wolverhampton. Goes up a furlong here, but I don't think that will be a problem. And Voltaic, I hope, can make it three wins out of his last four starts in the 8 o'clock at Wolverhampton. 8 o'clock at Wolverhampton, selection number 8, Voltaic. Uh, Dave, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. And of course, thanks to Alexander uh, for talking to us earlier in the programme. We can only hope that his final wish that he expressed today is borne out. That's it for us. Tuesday, March the 8th, we'll be right back to do it all over again tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.